0: 640 Toronto presents Think Tank. Two guests, Toronto's top stories. Now, let's meet the guests. Oh, it's all of that. It's my favorite 20 plus minutes of the week. Invigorating, exhausting, enthralling aggravating at times, but but I don't know how aggravated we're going to get. Let's see. Maybe we can try and ramp up a a level of aggravation here. We've got Roy Green, the awesome Roy Green, who will host the Roy Green Show across this great land, coast to coast to coast, the uh, Chorus Radio Network, 2 to 5 tomorrow right here on 640 Toronto. How is Roy this morning? I'm always aggravated. <laughs> well, wait till you meet our Good next point. guest. <laughs> he is, of course, uh, broadcaster and 6:40 uh, contributor Ben Mulrooney, who will be hosting the John Oakley Show today between three and six, uh, available across this great land, but specifically on 6:40 Toronto and on Toronto this weekend as well between seven and ten o'clock. My alarm goes off at three forty-five. Uh, ben Mulrooney, when will your alarm go off tomorrow? You don't. You don't have to get get up that early. You're you're a pro this will all come naturally let, let,
1: let's see the show starts at seven yeah. so 658
0: that sounds about right yeah, yeah. that's that sounds about <laughs> <laughs> um all right so that's good okay we, we're gonna get some sleep here um we just talked to uh one of the uh the lead imams from london ontario and uh though It does not bring this family back. It does not provide a tremendous sense of closure. It is justice. The Nathaniel Veltman verdict. I want you to hear from one of the relatives of the family outside the courtroom yesterday.
1: While this verdict does not bring back our loved ones, it is a recognition by the justice system that the perpetrator of these heinous crimes is indeed a murderer and a terrorist. He intended to instill fear and terror in our hearts. However, this wasn't just a crime against the Muslim community, but rather an attack against the safety and security of all Canadians.
0: Roy, let's start with you. We know how we felt hearing about this incident. We know how it tears at our heart when we see the picture of the family. Three generations, a 74-year-old, 46-year-old and 44-year-old husband and wife and their 15-year-old daughter and a 9-year-old who's now 11 who must pick up the pieces and go on uh, knowing what happened. I bring this up because Veltman is almost certainly going to get a parole hearing at some point in time, uh, 25 years down the line. He's 22 right now. Do you think we ever see a life sentence in Canada that has no potential for a parole hearing, for something to go wrong, a loophole, and someone like this gets released onto the streets again?
2: You know, Greg, it's not really anything going wrong or a loophole. It's written into the law. Uh, It's it's the way it is. There are convicted first-degree murderers who are out on the streets. And it all began in 72, in my view, when the then-federal solicitor general in Pierre Trudeau's government said in Parliament, quote, We've decided to stress the rehabilitation of individuals rather than the protection of society. And the laws and regulations for individuals convicted of violent crime, including brutal murders, began to change. This weekend, I'm speaking with Don and Tannis Edwards. Don, as you know, is a former Team Canada and Buffalo Sabres goaltender. Mm -hmm. Don's parents were murdered in 1990 by George Lovey, who had been dating Don's sister, Michelle. When Michelle refused to see Lovey any longer, he sexually assaulted her. And a few weeks later, as she was leaving her house, ran out from under the porch, causing Michelle to run to her parents' home next door. Lovey burst into the house and proceeded to murder Don's and michelle 's parents, shouting at her father as he repeatedly stabbed him, "How do you like me now?" So Lovey has already for several years been granted increasing freedoms by the parole board of Canada, has his own apartment now where he stays four nights a week and is seeking additional freedoms and he has a parole board hearing. Coming up very shortly. Do I have another 30
0: seconds? Yeah, of course. Go right ahead. we got all the time in the world for both of you.
2: All right. Harold Harold Smelter, 1980, abducted five-year-old Kimberly Thompson. He raped Kimberly, drowned her in a bathtub, placed her body in a garbage bag. This isn't pleasant, but you need to hear it. And dumped the body into a trash bin. Smelter was years ago permitted to move to a Regina halfway house, close to schools, by the way. And he continues to petition for additional freedoms. There's more, including the not criminally responsible, but I'll stop here.
0: Do I believe
2: that we're going to see a time when first-degree murderers are kept in prison for the rest of their lives? Not likely.
0: Ben, in Europe, there's many countries um, within the United Kingdom. It's England and Wales. It's not Northern Ireland or Scotland, the Netherlands, Bulgaria, Italy, Poland, Turkey, Serbia. In those countries, a life sentence is a life sentence without the possibility of parole. We know we don't want to go the route of what, what justice is in the United States at times, but there'd be no question in the United States what the verdict would be or what the sentencing would be for Nathaniel Veltman. Where do you weigh in on this?
1: Well, I think a lot of us believe uh, in that uh, that concept in, in uh, the criminal justice system that better a hundred guilty people go go free than a single, uh, be- better than a hundred um, innocent people go free than mm-hmm. than a single. Uh, I can't remember what the, the expression is, but anyway, there are there are the balance. It always needs to be struck between, as Roy said, uh, rehabilitation, protection of society, and deterrence. Those are the three. Uh, issues that need to be balanced when figuring out what a sentence should be the problem is is that we are we have so heavily weighted rehabilitation the deterrence is practically off the table like if, it, 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 to, to to me that 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 issue of deterrence that issue of if you do something that is so bad that you will never see freedom again which should be part of that calculus because we are so heavily weighting rehabilitation Deterrence is almost not even an issue anymore and uh, and by the way, protection of society as well, because there are issues of uh, and we've heard it of, of, of recidivism of, of people uh, committing crimes, uh, mm-hmm. serving whatever their light sentences, and then coming out and doing something sometimes even worse in very short order.
0: It's one of the scenarios. I'll stay with you, Ben, and then come back to Roy. I, I think we tend to get our emotions ramped up during trials, but we have to understand the defense has a job to do and, and it is. So whether it's the Moss shooting in Quebec, whether it was what would happen here in our city in Toronto with the van attack, of course, they're going to look for angles and they're going to try and do their job for their client. But I don't get as emotional about that as I actually do the sentencing. And it isn't just murder yeah. crimes in this city, Ben. It's Okay, you know, Graham James, the notorious, you know, uh, uh, pedophile who, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, assaulted Sheldon Kennedy over and over again and numbers of hockey players that never came forward. Theo Fleury was another one. Obviously, I I stress about the verdict and I stress about the sentencing and then I stress about him being on the street. So it isn't I understand a defense lawyer has a job to do, but it's 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 not. Putting closure, the idea and Roy's told the story about Don Edwards before, and I've heard Don be interviewed by Roy. The idea that you got to put a suit on, wake up in the morning, bring another victim impact statement to court just to make sure someone so terrible doesn't get out. You got to do your homework the night, but you shouldn't have to. You're getting victimized and traumatized again, Ben, and we, we can't have that.
1: Well, we, yeah, we talked about that earlier this morning, there is a re-victimization that happens to a lot of these uh, victims who then have to who who have to do work to ensure that the, the justice that they got on day one is it continues after after the minimum sentence has been provided. And and that to me is uh, is a re-victimization of of those people. Uh, this is you know and, and look we, we, we can we can get into the politics of it if mm-hmm. we want. you know Pierre poliev uh, has had a number of um, viral moments in his political career. and one of them was when he uh, stood in front of uh, journalists and explained that there is that there there are a small number of I believe it was in Vancouver, a small number of criminals who are committing crimes in the morning, going in, going to jail, getting out, doing it again in the afternoon, and then doing it again. At night, and it's this mm. revolving door of the justice system that doesn't uh, deter them from committing these crimes again. And so, the, the issue—you're not even trying to rehab them; you're literally putting them back on, out on the streets so they can reoffend. And uh, this is something that is, uh, I think, is coming to a head. Mm. And I think, and unfortunately, I think there are a lot of uh, really um, uh, rational people who are so fed up with what they're seeing as uh, what they believe is a miscarriage of justice, they, they may be taking positions on this that they otherwise would not have taken.
0: That's Ben Mulrooney with us. Roy Green is with us as well. Roy, I really want to ask you about Pierre Polyev. He has made a lot of promises about what he'll do with the justice system, catch and release for bail. Um, but a majority government alone can't get these things done. This isn't going to move overnight. It's about justices. It's about how we look at the law in this country. Just having the numbers in the House of Commons isn't enough to change this system right away, is it?
2: No, it's not. Um, But you have to evaluate what a politician and the political leader tells you they're going to do if they're uh, elected. And uh, the record is not the greatest over the years. But the reality is... That, uh, you know, the Edwards family, as they will deal with the parole board, they have to again provide a victim's impact statement, which is then run by Lovey, the murderer of Don's parents, Mm -hmm. for his approval. You get that? I mean, he has to essentially approve of it. And if it's too long, the parole board will say to the Edwards family, you have to shorten your victim's impact statement or we'll do it for you. Uh, Greg, Ben, (laughs) I took my show inside two Canadian prisons and sat with the inmates' committees. I had a murderer, convicted murderer on my left shoulder, a convicted murderer across the table from me. I had um, other individuals convicted of massive crimes at the table as well. And they just essentially laughed at the justice system. They said, one one of them said, look, we're doing life two to four years at a time. That's when the recidivism (laughs) rate was at 76%. If you have a recidivism rate of 76%, you have a failed mm. justice system. And when we put them on the air with our listeners and we talked about the prison code, which would immediately dispatch the likes of Paul Bernardo, were he, or Veltman, were he to be placed in the general population of a maximum security prison, that's what the callers sided with? Our federal <laughs> justice system? No. The prison code? <laughs> Unanimously, yes. That tells you where public opinion is.
0: Yeah, I think it does. Let's move to uh, – yeah, go ahead, Ben. Let's finish but, up on this. Yeah, totally.
1: Well, well I, I was going to say it, the, the, the entire system is based on shades of gray and this notion that to, to, to factor in uh, public safety and uh, uh, victims' rights uh, and to say that if you commit a crime, that l- <laughs> less freedoms will be afforded to you does not automatically send us down the path of becoming an American-style justice system. And there's a lot of fear-mongering uh, when people say uh, uh, you know, that, that we need to be tougher on crime. People hear tougher on crime and they say, oh, here we go, death yeah. penalty is right around the corner. Couldn't be farther from the truth. I think it's disingenuous, and it doesn't take into effect the nuance and the fact that uh, it, it's a long road to get there, and we are not mm. on it.
2: You know, I'm just going to have this one thought. Uh, I've spoken with individuals who are convicted of murder On my program on several occasions including David Milgaard and I got to know David very well over the years and uh, the system is so um, philosophically or emotionally corrupt because they went to they being the justice system collectively went to David Milgaard after 15 years remember he was innocent of the murder he was convicted of he stayed in prison for 23 years after 15 years they went to David and they said look just confess that you did it. That's right. Yeah, and we'll let you out. And he said, "No, I didn't do it." And he spent another eight years in prison. And if it weren't for David's mother, Joyce, speaking to Ben's father in public, David might very well have died in prison. Yeah. I think
1: she. I think she. She. She bumped into him uh, and challenged him uh, on the on on the uh, uh, on Parliament
2: Hill. I think that's yeah, how that actually and happened. Her then. And bless your dad for not dropping it.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, it stayed on it. And, and obviously Milgard passed away last year, but they didn't get the DNA evidence um, that exonerated him until, until 1996 or 1997. Yeah, you know what? It was it, it, really late. It was
2: a verdict, Greg. It was a verdict of convenience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, the DNA evidence has certainly changed how I think we viewed this. Um, I want to get to Justin Trudeau in San Francisco, who doesn't world stage, big economic conference. Um, But let's talk about China first. And, And, Roy, you've talked about not just Chinese election interference on the show a ton, but also the presence of China in our lives. When I see Chinese flags up and down streets in San Francisco welcoming President Xi It feels like there's a lot of in the news cycle that feels like it's not reality right now. But this is another factor. My home's not free of made in China products. But the president of the United States, Joe Biden, did call him a dictator Wednesday evening after they met. Roy, I don't know if we can not trade with China. But there should be a goal and it shouldn't be an ideological, political thing to wean ourselves away from them without whining and dining this person in San Francisco. It's turned my stomach a little bit to see some of the scenes from San Fran.
2: I think we're heading down the wrong rail here. I'm going to keep this brief. These international conferences, Greg, like G20 and G7, the one in California now, not really international at all. They're designed to elevate the public perception of politicians, call them leaders if you have to, at home. Xi is in difficulty in China as China's economy is sputtering and unemployment, particularly among young males, is rising. Biden is meandering toward the 24 presidential election and we know Justin Trudeau's polling numbers are in free fall in this country. These conferences are PR opportunities. The outcome and declarations are frequently negotiated prior to the conference's beginning. The leaders do the necessary in order to hopefully gain support or shore up their failing numbers at home. If you think dealing China out of the game is possible, consider the tentacles they have in this country. Our prime minister tied himself in rapporteur knots, trying to avoid a public inquiry into China's interference in our federal elections. And when a parliamentary motion to declare China to be engaged in genocide against the Uyghur Muslim community in Xinjiang province, a motion carried unanimously Mr. Trudeau and his entire cabinet, save one, walked out before the vote was held. Very slowly, we may wean ourselves from China's economic hold on us, but that's going to be a tough slog pragmatically speaking
0: yeah it it it, i I don't know whether it's just all based on individuals ben but the government can lead the way and individuals might follow if we say look we're we're already we're already in hot water it feels like with india where we would probably turn from china to get goods and services so um it's just not a lot of great news for canada on the international stage and when i see justin trudeau at this conference i think i'm like with roy I, i i wish this conference wasn't even happening
1: but firstly, I don't think anybody could have said it better than Roy did right there. I hope you pull that clip and use it over and over and over again, because that was the most compelling uh, point that I've heard about what's going on in San Francisco uh, since the entire thing started. That being said, you know, you talked about it. Uh, this is this is a uh, we, we are dealing with an unprecedented cost of living in, um, uh crisis in this in this country. Uh, we have. um Made ourselves addicted to low-cost goods from uh, China and elsewhere. Uh, <laughs> to suggest that we can uh, wean ourselves off, even in the short, a short or, or even long term, to me sounds it sounds like a fantasy. Uh, they they are they are inextricably linked to our uh, our existence. Uh, mm. The goods we buy uh, every single day. I th- I think if before I even got on this call. I, I'm pretty sure I made. I ordered two things from Amazon, and I'm pretty sure they were all um, made in in China. So what I bought. So um, this is uh, this is not a this is not an easy thing to do. If, if we're looking to turn that ship, it's going to take. Oh, uh, Roy, what do you think? Decades?
2: Oh yeah, Okay. Look, I understand that many of the products that are produced used to be produced in Canada and the United States. They no longer are obviously and the skilled trades it took to produce these products they're gone people don't mm-hmm. produce them any longer they don't know how we'd have to build new infrastructure to create these kinds of products in in our north american reality all of that takes a lot of time political will and god knows never-ending negotiation and jockeying for positive positions By politicians.
0: Yeah. Don't hold your breath. I mean, Roy and Ben, didn't we have to turn and and say uh, there's a pandemic? We could use PPE for our our medical workers. Do we make any PPE in Canada? We don't. Where can we get it? How about China? Like it was the ultimate (laughs) irony in that the pandemic seems to may have begun there from one set set of uh, circumstances or another. And then we've got to go to them and beg them to buy their PPE products so we can protect ourselves from said pandemic.
2: Yeah, and they canceled a, a vaccine development scheme. Trudeau started with them or signed with them. Beijing canceled it. It was yep. just a um, – I can't use the word on the air, so I'll just
0: say it was just a <laughs> show. Well, I'll be, I'll be listening in, uh, for that exact word on your own show It's not your PM. show. <laughs> it's the host that gets in trouble, Roy and Ben. Don't you know how this works? I do. Um All right. Let let me move to plastic bags. I feel like this is really something here. There's no question. Look, we'd all like to use less fossil fuels. This seems punitive in nature from the beginning. I know we roll our eyes about, ah, it's a straw. It's a bag. I get it. It can add up. But the stores themselves, Ben, and the food and drink providers, we go home from the grocery store when we shop for our family, and I think we've got more plastic than ever. But well, we just can't use a plastic bag to take all that plastic home with us. You're going to get a lot, those Amazon orders. You're going to get a lot of plastic showing up at your doorstep that you now have to deposit away. There's an element of hypocrisy to this, Ben.
1: But yeah, and, and, and to me, it was virtue signaling from uh, to the highest order. This was this was nonsense. The fact I had a paper straw inside a plastic cup with a plastic top. This was nonsense. Uh, it, and this unfairly targeted. And, and I don't think it was deliberate, but it unfairly targeted um racialized uh, communities as it as it relates to restaurants because there are certain uh, restaurants and certain cultures that have a sort of soup based or liquid based uh, like pho for example that uh would you put that in a plastic uh, or a, a, a paper a paper um a box no that that requires plastic um th- this this was this was insane to me and I'm so glad it happened because it provides a window for um Uh, Canadian industry to take the lead here. And uh, I I do some advisory work for a company in Toronto called Midori Bio. And what they do is they have a technology that allows plastics and synthetics to um, biodegrade as paper does with the presence of no microplastics. And over the course of years, as opposed to decades and centuries, there's a company called uh, Loop Industries uh, that that, that tackles the plastics um, crisis. In a similar way, there are dozens and dozens of these companies across Canada that, that could be helping to solve the crisis, And as opposed to legislating people's behavior. We could be leading the way as a country. Justin Trudeau should be going around the world with these companies, promoting Canadian technology as the solution to the plastics crisis, as opposed to legislating and banning. To me, he, he, he got it wrong on day one, and now it's the opportunity for business and industry to take the lead. And, and, and change uh, change the story.
0: Roy, i got 45 seconds, and I mean it. You know what deadlines are like. What uh, what do you make of the ruling? I won't even
2: take 45 seconds. <laughs> there, was, there, there was no consultation with Canadians when it came to this particular legislation. It was bullying by Gilbo and Trudeau and earlier Catherine McKenna, while Canadians struggle with interest rate hikes and inflation demands. The court decision, a bit of a surprise to me. Canadians' reaction is not. See my Twitter account
0: response. Okay. We'll leave okay? it in. that. That works perfectly. Ben Mulrooney, three yes. to six today for John Oakley tomorrow morning, seven to 10 and Sunday morning, seven to 10 on Toronto this weekend. And Roy green two to five Saturday and Sunday guys, it's going to be a great weekend of radio and you guys are, are uh, doing the heavy lifting. Thanks for this, this morning.
1: My thank pleasure. You, Can I also say it's been a pleasure to spend some time with Roy this morning. What a legend. Thank you so much.
0: No, uh, thank you, Ben. All the best to you. Great to have you both.